Hey everybody, it's Terrell Cummings and this is episode 7 of the Always Relevant Podcast. Um, glad you guys are here. Um, I'm going to talk about a few good things today. Um, get into the whole situation with the between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns with uh, Miles Garrett swinging his helmet and hitting Mason Rudolph. Um, we're talking about the NFL basically allowing Colin Kaepernick to... Uh, hold a workout for all 32 NFL teams, but kind of the way that they're doing it, where it seems kind of sketchy. And so you know, we'll get into that and discuss a little bit. And then lastly, I'm going to educate you guys, educate y'all on the oldest robbery in NCAA football history that no one even knows about, except for people that played in it, really. And that's the bell game between Hanover College and Franklin College. So I want to drop some knowledge on you for that. It's just me today, solo. Um, Looking forward to everything, and um, I'm excited. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. It's Terrell Cummings, and this is Episode 7 of the Always Relevant Podcast. And today, sorry, I'm getting kind of a little bit of a late start again. My voice sounds a little bit better, though. You know, I still have a little bit of cold in my chest but it is just me here solo. I actually did an intro earlier from my car uh, because I was stuck in a traffic jam after work. So I was stuck in that for at least an hour. So kind of frustrating. I did my uh, how are you and how are you doing, but I'm going to go ahead and redo it uh, at this point in time. So uh, to get into it, how am I and how am I really? So am I, you know, I'm doing okay, doing well, pretty chill right now. Um, if you were talking to me earlier, I was super annoyed because I was trying to get leave work, stuck in traffic because of probably a, a car accident or two, uh, maybe late picking up the kids and it's just frustrating. You're sitting in traffic and you're sitting in a parking lot and you're not going anywhere and there's no alternative routes to get to where you need to go. So that was super frustrating, but obviously made it through. I just need to probably exercise a little more patience um anybody that knows me knows that that's one of my strengths is patience <laughs> so um yeah that's me that's what it is there uh ultimately i was annoyed i'm pretty chill now i'm glad i'm home i'm glad it's friday i'm glad it's the weekend um the kids are still a little sick so that probably added to my frustration overall for the week where i guess the last couple weeks because we took copeland to the to urgent care last week for croup and we took Caden to urgent care this week we ultimately think it was a migraine but we're not really sure what it was doctor just said it was a virus and they gave him something for the nausea and um you know ultimately he's still congested whatever kind of cold that he has uh that's almost out of his system now um i'm sure there's anything else copeland is still congested so not congested but she's coughing right now um so, kind of feel bad for her. I just want her to feel better. And uh, everybody feel better. Elena's sick, too. So, like, everybody in our household's sick. I saw stuff in my chest right now, too. But I think it's on the way out. So, um, hopefully I can get rid of it. But, um, yeah. Wish uh, wish us good luck to have a non-sick household within the next couple of days. So, um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I don't know right now. So, let's go ahead and get into my sports weekend. Um Right now, West Carrollton, they're they're done football. Um, you know, I know the record wise wasn't exactly what they wanted 
for the season, but I do know that they definitely gave maximum effort every week. I could tell that from the scores. I didn't see any games, but I could tell from the scores. I could tell from the encouragement that I saw online from different parents and different people from the community. Um, you know, stay together, stay strong. You know, I'm I'm definitely proud of what you guys did so far this year. I look forward to next year. Um, you know, Coach Black has the team going in the right direction. I look forward to the future. And there should be some boys on that team that should be getting some college looks uh, for sure. I, know, I guess their running back got offered from Toledo, so that's pretty cool. He's a sophomore, so I think he can only get better as far as that. Um, Austin Jones, receiver, he has all the receiving records now. So any records that I still had, he broke them. So I'm glad for him. He repped a good number, number 11. I'm not sure if he knows where he's going to school yet, but I think he's a diamond in the rough. He can play. He's tall. He's he's rangy. He uh, He's a long strider, so he kind of seeks up on you as far as his speed, but he's like 6'3". He's athletic. He goes and snatches the ball out the air. So, you know, a lot of times you can't teach that. You know, if you just go get it, you go get it. You know, people just do it. So, um, like I said, diamond and rough for him. I think he can go somewhere and play for real. Um yeah, we'll see how it goes, though, uh, as far as everything, and look forward to seeing these boys next year. Uh, talking about my next school, Hanover College, they won last week against Rose Holman. I had the score written down. I forget what it was, but they did win. I think it was like 40-something to, to seven. So, I mean, they're really working over teams. They clinched the HCAC championship for the second year in a row, and they qualified for the Division Three playoffs uh, already with one game left. So they have – the game cup this weekend against uh, Franklin College for the Bell game. And um, regardless of what happens there, they're still going to play out. It's just a matter of seeing how high they go. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. The only loss this year was the Center College, and they were ranking in the top 25. So, if you're talking about good losses, that's a good loss. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see what they can do this weekend. Um, yeah, see what they can, what good old Coach Theobald can do um, against Coach Leonard. You know, Coach Leonard, he's a handover guy, and we'll get into that later on as far as everything we're going to be talking about. But, um, you know, I'm looking forward to to seeing the score. It's going to be a good game for sure. So, um, Cincinnati Bengals, they lost to the Baltimore Ravens 49-13. Same old Bungles. You know, it was Ryan Finley's first starter quarterback for Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was a good teammate from the bench. Uh, he was cheering from the sideline. He was helping, trying to help out. Um with any kind of mistakes that Finley made during the game. You know, he's being a good teammate. He's being a good leader. You know, that's all you can ask for out of a quarterback when he is ultimately benched. Um, Bengals have to see what they have at this point. <clears throat> this past week, they ran into the buzzsaw of Lamar Jackson, and dude, it's the truth. Um, there's different things about his game that you just can't teach. Um, the coach staff has done a really good job creating their offense around Lamar Jackson's talents. And that's what's going to be best for him. And that's best for some other players. We're going to that later on as well. Um, but, you know, they have to kind of do that because they're, you can't, can't teach athleticism like that. You know, he's a once-in-a-generation – he has once-in-a-generation athleticism. Like, I honestly think that he may be more athletic than Michael Vick, and that is saying something. He may not have as strong of an arm as Michael Vick. Mike Vick has one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. If you watch him throw football, it is crazy. But – Lamar Jackson can play, and he's only he's only getting better because he's getting that mental part of the game down. Um, he's just going to keep improving in that. So I look forward to see what he can do in the future. I wish the Bengals could figure it out. 
I wish the Bengals could figure out their ownership by getting new ownership, but that's not happening. So they need to improve everywhere else. They need to improve their GM skills. They need to improve their scouting skills because this year's NFL draft, the 2018 NFL draft, has been pretty much a bust. Um, their first pick was hurt before the season started. Most of the picks didn't play, and if they played, they didn't play well, or they're still not. They're not playing now. A lot of players got cut. They didn't make practice squads, or they got hurt. So that seems to be the trend in the Bengals uh, draft. You know, it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. So they need to do a better job scouting, get some better players, and figure it out. So hopefully Coach Taylor has a plan. Um, I know ultimately he kind of changed their their blocking schemes for Austin Lawn uh, when they were in London and went to more of a zone blocking scheme. So I know they're trying to figure that out. And, um, you know, it showed glimpses of being good. They're, just not, they're not being consistent with it. So – they got to figure it out, and I'm sure they will. Um, I do believe Coach Taylor is a solid coach. You know, he just needs some time, and he needs some players. Uh, as Coach Perry says, Perry Proverbs, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. And right now, the Bengals don't have the Jimmys and the Joes, and that's a big problem. So, tough being a Bengals fan. You know, right now, you're just hoping that they can get the number one pick and then trade down and get some more picks and get some quality players. You know, that's pretty much all you can hope for at this point. So, as far as my fantasy squads, FanDuel, I did okay during the week, but I didn't really improve my top five scores so far of the year. So, other people have been improving their scores, and I finally have been overtaken for first place. I'm in second place now overall in the FanDuel League, which is fine. This means that in the upcoming weeks, I need to have some solid weeks to finish the season strong. So, um, yeah, I'll study up a little bit and see if I can have a big week. I'm due. Uh, my PPR league, I won 123.5 to 97. Did have an awesome week. Did have a terrible week. I have been having a pretty, pretty much consistent week. That's what I've been doing all year. So I've been putting up points, and usually people beat me. It's because they had really big weeks, not because I had a bad week. So, you know, everybody still wants to trade or offer trade options for Christian McCaffrey. Right now, I'm not trading them. Um... It's cross my mind to trade and get a bunch of value back, but it'll have to be to the right team. <coughs> Excuse me. And right now, the one guy that has players that I want, I don't want to give him Christian McCaffrey because that's going to give him too much firepower in the playoffs. I'd rather just take my chances with who I have and hope that if I play in the playoffs, that that week my team's got him. So, you know, that's just what it is. That's what I'm believing in. Um, there's other teams I worry about. You know, there are a couple a couple players I see out there that I'm interested in, but as far as my players with trade value, there's probably not a ton. Um, you know, besides Christian McCaffrey, you know, quarterback of Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold, you know, they're not doing anything crazy. Keenan Allen's been subpar, probably because the Chargers' offensive line's been terrible, and um, what is it? Tight end for the 49ers, uh, George Kittle. He's been hurt, so hopefully he can pick it up. You know, I made a few a few uh, good pickups here and there. Like, I had Golden Tate. He's been doing pretty good for me. And I haven't utilized DJ Metcalf, but I might now since in Seattle, Disley's hurt, and um, their top receiver is hurt. So D- DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf, might be the guy to step into the role as Russell Wilson's uh, top target. So we'll see how it goes. Um, ultimately, Christian McCaffrey, for me, he's a perfect fantasy player, you know, Based on number of stats, stats played, volume of touches overall, 
number of catches since PPR League, number of yards per touch, and scoring touchdowns. He's the ultimate package. It's hard to give him up because he usually at least gives me 25 points. 25 to 40 points is Christian McCaffrey every week. I can count on it. So you know the player that comes close to that is Dalvin Cook from what I've seen. You know, it used to be Barkley and Gurley and Kamara, but they've been hurt. It used to be Zeke, but he's not producing as much. I don't know if he's just falling off around that cliff. I don't know if it's Dak Prescott. I don't know if it's offense line. But either way, he's just not as productive and isn't scoring as many fantasy points. So, and obviously in Kansas City, um, I don't know, dude's in Cleveland now, taking carries away from Nick Chubb. So, we'll see how it goes overall. Um, Michigan basketball, I won't talk about it too much, but they're 2-0. Juwan Howard, you know, at least has them winning. Yeah, trying to see them a little bit. I haven't watched them play yet, but I'm excited to. And I'm glad the Fab Five is uh, now back being welcomed at the University of Michigan. You know, it's about time. Uh, and lastly, University of Dayton, they're 1-0. Uh, be on the lookout for their best player, Obi Toppin. You know, he's a forward. He's tall. I think he's like 6'10". He's definitely NBA prospect. He's from New York. I'm surprised that Dayton got him. You know, I think he definitely is a, a big, large D1 school. But he liked to coach at UD. And, you know... I'm glad he got the, he he went there. Uh, he had a good freshman year last year. He's by far the best player. He's coming off the bench a lot of times. He's the one that saved him in the second half. And this year he's starting, and I think he's gonna make some noise. And you know, I think people should pay attention to Obi Toppin for sure. So uh, I know this weekend my dad is taking my son Caden to the basketball game on Saturday. So Caden's excited. Uh, he's looking forward to having a good time, and um, I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes. So I'm sure they'll they'll have fun. All right, I don't know if anybody saw the Thursday night football game with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Browns ultimately won 21-7. I honestly didn't watch the whole thing. I watched the beginning of it. I fell asleep, and I saw the fireworks at the end. Uh, if you didn't see it, like I said the Browns were up 21-7, and there were 15 seconds left in the game. Play took place. Um, Miles Garrett was trying to sack the quarterback, um, Mason Rudolph. Rudolph got the ball out to his running back, and then Garrett threw him down and was kind of holding him on the ground. Um, and he saw kind of uh, Mason Rudolph kind of pulling on his helmet as he's being held to the ground by Garrett. Um, they get up. They kind of get in each other's face a little bit. As they were getting up, Miles Garrett ripped off Mason Rudolph's helmet as they were doing it at this point in time, my offensive linemen were there trying to get in between them. And as a kind of little scuffle, you know, took place, you see miles Garrett raise up and like, I don't say he tossed his helmet, but he, he swung the helmet and hit Mason Rudolph in the head. Now, luckily it wasn't with the crown of the helmet. It was with kind of like the backside of the helmet and hit him in the top of the head, but still like, I have, I have never seen anything like that ever playing football. Like you've seen football fights, you've seen, you've seen people push. You might even see someone's helmet get pulled off, but you never. I've never seen anybody literally swing a helmet at another player and then connect. So I mean, it goes from just kind of like a, 
it goes from a, a regular old football fight to a scuffle to something that escalates where, you know, technically, technically it is, I mean, is that considered assault with a deadly weapon? Because what if you would have connected with the helmet in the, in the right place? What if it hit Mason Rudolph in the temple or in the face or caused some damage? You know, he hit him in the top of the head. So he got lucky. And it wasn't like a small swing. Like he swung, like swinging for the fences. You know, he swung like he was trying to swing a left hook at somebody, you know. And it's one of those things where it's like, what were you thinking? What were you doing? You know, why would you ever do that? Like, I never understood guys that got out there and played ball and then they couldn't control themselves like that. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, I mean, even after the game when they're interviewing everybody, they're interviewing Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's like, yeah, he can't do that. You know, we had a good game. Defense played lights out. And he just can't do that. He he can't put himself in that situation. You know, his head coach basically said the same thing. After the game, even Miles Garrett said the same thing. And it's just crazy that he would do that. And I don't think he's had any kind of even like personal fouls or anything like that. Previous haven't been flagged for any kind of personal foul. So this is something where it's completely out of character for him, you know, to do something like this. So that makes it even more interesting because it's one of those things where if you have a guy that's a high head on the team or something like that, you know, you won't be surprised if something like this happens. But for him, you know, he's one of the faces of the franchise. He's been their number one pick the last couple of years. You know, he's he's their best defensive player. You know, you think he would know better than do something like this. And then, you know, the Browns win and everything. But now, you know he's going to get suspended. Just no matter for how long. I personally think he should get suspended for the rest of the year. But, you know, you never know with the NFL and what the president's going to be. But I feel like they're going to probably – want to send a message on something like this and at least suspend him for the rest of the year or whatever, whatever is the max of whatever is in the, um, the player, uh, collective bargaining agreement. You know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. And that's what I'm hearing. Um, no, for NFL, I don't think it's commented on it yet, but you know, they can't be going out there and, you know, it looks bad on the league. It looks bad for miles Garrett, but this is a Thursday night game. It was a primetime game. You know, they were the only game that was playing, and now it is completely overshadowing the headlines of what it should have been. You know, it should have been Browns get a win. You know, it's, it's two in a row for them. They could be, you know, they had the hardest schedule in football the first half of the season. The back half of their schedule is easier. They should be able to make us a ground, and maybe they're thinking playoff push. Well, now that's completely out the window because – Without Miles Garrett on defense, doing what he does defensive end, there is no way that the Browns are going to be able to make any kind of run, even though their schedule is garbage down the backside, down the back half of their schedule. There, there's Their offense has been playing well, and their defense is good. And even their defense last night, they had a, they had a few, uh, like, basically targeting penalties, helmet-to-helmet hits. They had a player that was ejected. So, I mean, it's not exactly the most – disciplined defense out there but still even though they're not the most disciplined miles garrett cannot do that i don't care i don't don't really care what was said i don't care what kind of situation it was there is no reason for him especially being leader on the defense i'd imagine a leader on the team to go out there rip a dude's helmet off and swing it at him and hit him in the head you know I mean, he's getting suspended. You know, I wonder if, if 
if any kind of charges will be brought against him for doing that. Um, I wonder if the league is going to um, penalize or suspend, uh, was it? I think it's uh, one of the Pouncey twins, whichever one plays for Pittsburgh, because he did. He, you know, he helped throw down Garrett after he hit Rudolph in the head with the helmet, and then he was punching him and he kicked him a couple times. But, I mean, at that point, he's trying to help out his you know, his teammate who got who he's just witnessed getting hit in the head by a helmet by this guy. So will they just let it go or not? Because he did. He hit him a couple times, two or three times, and he kicked him once, maybe twice, and then he stopped. You know, Villanueva was on the ground, holding him down on the ground at that point in time, who, who's a big six seven offensive lineman. And um, you know, he wasn't trying to fight him or anything. I think he was trying to calm him down more than anything. Um I don't know. It's just crazy. It's crazy to me that someone would do that on a football field when they're playing. I, I've never understood that. I've never said anybody punching anybody else when they're playing, you know, because you're hitting someone in their helmet. What's the point of doing that? You know, but for whatever reason, he completely lost himself. And I don't know. I mean, he can apologize or whatever, but no matter what, because this has never been seen before. This is always going to follow him. No matter what he does and after the fact, this will always be a part of his, well, I'll, I'll call it legacy. Because he, he's a really good football player. He's he's a very good football player. He's one of the top defensive ends in the league. But I think no matter what he does going forward, he will always be known as the guy who ripped off a player's helmet, swung it and hit him in the head with it. And, I mean, he's lucky he didn't. He didn't hurt the guy. He's lucky he didn't hurt Rudolph as far as that. So I don't know. I don't really know what else to say about it. It shouldn't have happened. It's terrible that it's happened. NFL should definitely suspend him. My guess, I would say suspend him for at least the rest of the year. You know, there's no reason to even have him come back this year after something like that. Um, this is tough. It's uncharted territory because it's never happened before. Probably because no one ever thought it would happen, but you always have to be prepared for those situations where you don't think something's going to happen and then it happens. So I don't know. I, I, plus I'm saying it because your team's winning by two touchdowns. You know, there's ultimately less than 10 seconds left in the game. You know, you should just let them snap it, let them run their play, get out of there. You're at home and go celebrate your win. You know, so I don't know what got into him. I don't know the mindset. He hasn't said anything about what happened. He just said he shouldn't have let it happen. But, I mean, that's just dumb. It was just dumb, 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 dumb. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. He's going to be in, he's going to have, he's, his legacy is going to be tainted for the rest of his career, no matter what he does after this. You know, and hopefully, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a learning experience and, you know, he's going to wish he wouldn't have done it. I'm sure he's wishing that now because he's all over the headlines. He's probably going to be out of a job for a little bit. He's not going to be out of a job per, 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 excuse me, permanently. But at least for the rest of this season, he's going to be out of a job. He's not going to be playing. I'm guessing he's going to be suspended for the rest of the year without pay. You know, so he's going to find something else to do for a little bit. But, um, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. Shouldn't have taken place. Complete craziness on a football field because that is not the norm that normally does not. I've, I've never seen that happen. I've never heard of that happening. And I don't think anybody else has either, but um, you know, we'll see how the NFL handles it. You know, I'm, I'm recording 
Friday morning right now for this. So I'm kind of waiting to see what the NFL says overall about this. Um, we'll see. I said, I have a feeling that they'll probably announce something fairly quickly as far as this suspension. So we'll see how it goes. You know, the more I thought about it, I wanted to come back and add um, a little more to this Miles Garrett situation. And, you know, I've been talking to people throughout the day. Um, suspensions have been handed out. Uh, Miles Garrett has been suspended indefinitely. So he's out for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. And I'm sure there's certain criteria he has to meet before he can be reinstated by the league. I don't know. We don't know what those factors are yet. And um, But I'm sure they'll be announcing them soon. And then I think Pouncey got fined. He got suspended for two games. And then another dude from the Browns, the guy that came up and punched, or not punched, but pushed Mason Rudolph to the ground. He got a game uh, suspended without pay uh, as well. Um, Rudolph didn't get anything, though. And, you know, people are, I've seen people discussing and everything, how Rudolph started the fight and started the altercation, which I agree with. You know, I think Rudolph definitely, I don't know if he just didn't like how he got sacked or the way that Garrett threw him down or held him or whatever it was. Um you know, he definitely started pushing and pulling on Garrett's helmet first as part of the whole situation. You know, they kind of got into a scuffle at that point in time. When Garrett got up, you know, you could definitely tell that Rudolph definitely wanted to, you know, have some at that point. And even though an offensive line got in between them, Rudolph still going after him. Garrett ripped off his helmet. Now, Garrett had no business swinging his helmet and hitting Mason Rudolph in the head, but... I think Mason Rudolph should have gotten something as well. Even if it was just a fine, he needed to get something. He walked away with nothing. And that's kind of crazy because he's involved in the whole incident. So he's not completely innocent in this whole situation. And he looks like he's playing a complete victim, which I'm wrong. He got hit in the head of the helmet. So he is a victim in that aspect. But I think just the way he acted before that, I don't know. Uh, he called he called Garrett a coward. I won't say he's a coward. You know, he shouldn't have hit him with the helmet. But I think that Mason Rudolph, to me, and this is just first impression from seeing the way he acted during that whole thing, just seeing how he talked at the podium about it. To me, Mason Rudolph seemed like he's a little of a punk. I don't know. It's just what it looks like. I feel that he's probably been in situations four where he got in the fights or he instigated situations, but he was able to get out of it because he's always the top quarterback. And so no one could touch him or no one, no one could get at him or whatever. I could be wrong. You know, that's just an observation. Um, I don't know the guy, but he definitely isn't innocent in this whole situation. He should have got something too. I definitely agree with that. Um, he'd have to go after Miles Garrett. I don't know what was said between the two on the ground, but whatever was said, it was enough to when they got up, they were looking to fight each other. And Rudolph was going after Garrett for sure. So I don't know what you want to say about that. Everybody has differing opinions. Me personally, you know, it is what it is at this point. But he should have gotten something. The league should not have left that alone. And I don't know how they figured he was a straight victim this whole thing because he was rolling around. He was grabbing Helmets, he was kicking, dude. Like, he was in it for sure. Um, now, did he land any blows? Not really, but wasn't for lack of trying. And for that, 
he should have got something. You know, that's just me. Now, don't get me wrong. Miles Garrett, he should not have swung the helmet. For sure. He deserves whatever suspension that he gets. Um, that is ultimately, though, I just don't think that uh, Mason Rudolph should have been left out of it. So I just wanted to add that to this segment. There it is. All right. I've been debating if I'm going to get into this segment or not. I figure why not. I'm not going to probably venture too far into it, but I think it is interesting. Uh, The NFL, they're allowing Colin Kaepernick to hold workouts for, or hold a workout for all 32 teams, so they say. Personally, I think it seems like kind of a publicity stunt, but I'm not sure. Um, It just seems really sketchy. Um... I'm sorry, I'm flipping through my notes. They say he can hold it for all 32 teams, but they they said that he could do this, but they only gave him two hours to to accept it or not. And apparently they told him they'd give him a list of the teams uh, that would be appearing there, and now they're backing off that statement. Um, ultimately, Kaepernick and his team, they were caught off guard by this. Like I said, they're only given two hours to take or leave the opportunity. Obviously, he wants to get back in the league. He wants to play, so he's going to take the opportunity. He says he's been working out, so he figures why not. You know, Typically, though, something like this will take place on a Tuesday when it's typical NFL day off, or they would owners and um, GMs that probably give them more notice so they can plan around their schedules. But they said, nope, they did a short notice, says it's going to be on a Saturday. So most decision-makers won't be able to make the trip because usually they're out scouting or out doing something else or there's already something else playing or they're having travel day or whatever it may be. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of kind of tough. I know a lot of people out there, um, at least in, in southwest Ohio where I live, you know, they don't want to see Kaepernick play. They don't like him. They don't believe it, whatever. Um, right now I'm just talking about from a purely football standpoint, as far as everything, if you should be in the league or not. <coughs> and in my opinion, I personally think he could play because if you've seen, all right, there's 32 teams, which means there's six, at least 64 quarterbacks on rosters in the league right now. Actually, probably more, but we'll say 64. <coughs> Excuse me. So you think about that. Think about all the teams that are out there. Now, is he going to be a starter? Not necessarily, but all the backups that are out there that you have seen, how many of them are absolute garbage? Like, for real. They don't get it. They can't make good plays. can't make reads. And everybody and everybody goes back saying, well, look at all Kaepernick's stats his last year in the league. Yeah, the Niners were garbage. What players do you have around them as far as that? You know, no quarterback can do that. They don't have the players. This is how it goes. But when he was out there, when he was winning – he took a team to Super Bowl. He also took his team to the NFC, the NFC Championship as well. So it wasn't like he was some slouch that was out there playing. Plus, he has playoff experience. And, you know, you need veteran leadership for that. Um, and so that's why it was kind of crazy that, to me, no team would even give him a chance. They, I mean, everybody looks at this, that's why he can't play. Well, he could play. He's proved that he could play. He proved that he goes to Bull. He proved that he could take the team back to the championship. He proved it. You know, it was just one of those times when it's time for him to get paid. Other people didn't get paid. And it just didn't happen. It happens with a lot of teams. 
So, I don't know. That's just kind of my really short take on it. I'm not getting everything as far as that, but as far as that and if he has a skill set to play, yes, he can play. You know, it's interesting. You know, the offense coordinator that was there with him in San Francisco, you know where he is right now? Baltimore, and he's Lamar Jackson's offense coordinator. Surprise, surprise, he's doing well. Similar skill set. He tailored offense around his quarterback skill set because quarterback was his best player. That's what he did. That's why he's getting results. It's really not that hard to figure out. But is he a guy that's going to stand back there like he's <clears throat> like he's Tom Brady or Eli Manning or something like that and just pick and throw the ball around? No, he's not. He's a dude. He's 6'5", 225, 230 pounds, that runs a 4'5", 40, and has a strong arm and not quite as accurate. That's just what it is. <clears throat> Don't mean he can't go out there and win. Don't mean he can't go out there and play. I mean, look what the Buffalo Bills are trying to do with Josh Allen. That's basically what they're trying to do. And he's a more athletic Josh Allen. And he's not quite as athletic and a bigger Lamar Jackson. I don't know. That's just what it is as far as from what I'm seeing so far. Um, going back to his workout, though, um, you know, he's always looking for opportunity to get back in the league. Typically, work out like this, like I so said, it would be on a Tuesday. It was on a Saturday. You know, many of those execs won't be there. Um, it looks like Hugh Jackson, he just found out this on Thursday, but Hugh Jackson will be running the workout, and former head coach Joe Philbin will be there to assist. And I know Hugh Jackson said that, like I said, he found out on Thursday, but he decided to help out Kaepernick. So he's going to put him through a workout, and, you know, he's going to do it right. And, um, you know, we'll see what kind of you know, respect that's actually brought to him to this particular workout. So far, from what do they say, <clears throat> they say 11 teams have committed to the, to have representation at the workout. Obviously, not necessarily all decision makers, so that's kind of the tough part. We'll see who's actually sit when the workout actually takes place. But teams like the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Browns, the Broncos, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, the Buccaneers, the Redskins, and probably the Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks. That's what I heard so far. That's what I heard when I read it earlier today. I don't know if more are going or not, but we'll have to see. Um, like I said, is Cap good enough to actually be in the NFL? Is he better than any of those 64 quarterbacks that are actually playing or actually on a roster right now? I believe so. Now, after a three-year absence, it's tough to have that top level to be a starter. I'm not going to say anything crazy like that. But is he good enough to be on our roster? I 100% believe so. Everybody's going to say, well, he was asking for big money before. Well, yeah, he was coming off the Super Bowl in that next season. Of course he's going to ask for big money. He's trying to get starters money. <clears throat> but now I think he's just trying to be in the league. And, you know, he wants to play ball after this whole, you know, after the whole situation. So, um, I don't know. You know what I mean? I think he's a good opportunity. I think he's get a legit opportunity because, honestly, from the eye test, you know, are we really going to say Mason Rudolph is way better than what Colin Kaepernick is? I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick's definitely better, but after seeing Mason Rudolph in the second year in the league and this is all that he's doing, it's like, come on, man. You know? It, it's it's just hard to it's hard to watch, you know? <clears throat> Broncos take players like Paxton Lynch, dude's a system quarterback, you know? But what else is he bringing to the table? At least Kaepernick's bringing athleticism to the table. You know, he has strong arm and he's athletic. You know? And he's already proven it that he can get to the Super Bowl. He's already taken his team to the Super Bowl. 
in the NFC Championship. A lot of players can't say that. So, I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. I'm interested to see what happens on Saturday. I'm interested, I'm interested to see who shows up on Saturday. And I think he should get an opportunity. I think he should get a legit opportunity because there's plenty of players, plenty of quarterbacks in this league right now that don't deserve the spots that they have. And this spot should probably get taken by someone else. So, we'll see. Just trying to keep it real with you. All right, buddy. I want to get into something that probably a lot of you guys don't know about. Um, it's basically I want to talk about the oldest rivalry, the oldest rivalry in the history of college football in any NCAA division, and that is the Bell game between Hanover College and Franklin College. Uh, some things you may not realize. Everybody talks about the DePaul Wabash game. Hanover College, Franklin College game was before that game. The first game was actually played in 1898. Now, the Victory Bell was not actually awarded for the it was actually awarded for the first time in 1938. Now, there's two stories on how that whole thing began. One was talking about it was the idea that was presented by the Hanover College Bat Club, which was a non-athletic organization of male students who wanted to improve school spirit. That's what I heard one thing. Another version of what I heard was an individual, uh, he played basketball at Hanover named Bill Barnes. Uh, it took place the year of the, I guess, the great Ohio River flood in 1937. And it took out uh, many homes in Cincinnati, Louisville, Evansville, right up there along the river. And if you know Hanover College, Hanover College sits up on the hill right about the Ohio River. So a lot of the homes that were down there were destroyed. So back in the day, um, you know, Bill, Bill Barnes and his friend went down, went down the hill to the, to the river to see if anybody would need any help with anything and see if everybody was okay. And they saw, they saw this ship that was, that was wrecked. It was destroyed, but there was a bell that was sitting on the ship, and you know the ship was abandoned at that point. So they they took the bell and they carried it back up to the college. Now anybody that's played in the game and has held that bell knows how heavy that bell is. So the fact, think about it, if you were down at the river and you had to carry it, you and maybe one other person, you can't lift it by yourself. I mean, you could probably, but. It would not be fun to do that at all. But if you and one other person had to carry the bell up the hill to get back to campus, first of all, that just doesn't sound fun at all whatsoever. And I'm sure it would be awkward. Either way, Hanover's friend, they carried it up the hill. They proceeded to take it to the Hanover football coach at the time. I forget his name, but they talked to him. <coughs> Excuse me. They talked to coach and using it as a trophy for the rivalry game against Franklin. Which story is true? I'm not sure. It could be either. It could be both. It could be neither. I have no idea. This is just what I've read in my research. So if anybody out there has the real story about how the Victory Bell was created, I would love to know. Um, if you looked at the bell whenever we played and we had it, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a big bell and had a big old crack in it. And it didn't ring. It was more like a clunk. 
you know, that's how big the crack was in it. You know, one side was the handover side, so it was red, had the blue H in it and everything, and the other side was Franklin, it was blue and gold, um, had their logo on it. Um, like I said, it was big, it was super heavy, it didn't make night, it didn't ring, it didn't make nice noises or anything like that, but you know, it was always something to play for. You know, luckily when I was there, we won it all four years. You know, we had it. We called it a decade of dominance because we hadn't lost it for a decade. Or we won it 14 out of the last 15 years. Um, but I'm going into my senior season, Coach Leonard, who was our offense coordinator at the time, he uh, he took the job at Franklin, at Franklin College, to become the head coach there. So we knew that he was always going to try to do something a little bit different. He always wanted to bring the rivalry back he, when he was there at Hanover. <clears throat> which he graduated from Hanover. So he's, he's a Hanover Panther. But when he was coaching us, he had always wanted to do stuff, said we need to bring back the rivalry. You know, we always just won the game, and it was always, it was expected that we were going to win. But so we need to do things to bring back the rivalry. He always tried to do stuff to make us try to remember it. it's a rivalry. And so when he left, you know, we didn't think anything of it. Usually during the season, the bell is in Coach Perry, who was the head coach at the time. It was in his office, you know, till the week of the bell game. The week of the game – the bells brought down to the locker room and it's in the locker room all week. So coach Leonard, I'm sure knew this. I'm sure he still had keys to the facility. Um, ultimately I'm pretty sure either him or he orchestrated some of his players or whoever to go to our facilities, break in and take pictures of them, uh, take pictures of themselves stealing the bell. And then they proceeded to email all of the seniors showing that they stole the bell. So that was just extra, you know, a little extra thing on the rivalry, which is good. You know, we knew it was Coach Leonard trying to do that. We understood it, but it still made us mad. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you know, we we went in and we ultimately won the game, but when you watch them play, you could see that they were basically us. You could see how he was coaching them. <coughs> basically... They were Hanover North. That's all it was. You know, they were in the same offense as us. It looked familiar. We just had to be better that year, but I knew that after that he was going to have them prepared and, and they were going to do well going forward. So I know in 2004, that next year, Hanover won. But after that, Franklin started winning the games and they were started winning the conference and going to the playoffs. And Hanover didn't win the bell again until last year in 2018. So that's how long it was. 24, or 2004 to 2018, or 2017, is when, or 2005 to 2017 is when Franklin won the Bell game. So Hanover hadn't even seen it in over a decade, so we couldn't even say anything about it. But Coach Theobald is there now. He was actually uh, Coach Leonard's assistant coach and associate head coach a lot of the time during Franklin's dominance there. And when the job came open, you know, Coach Theobald came back. <coughs> and, you know, he looks like he hasn't gone in the right direction. You know, they're... They they've won back to back championships. They beat Franklin for the first time last year in the Bell game. Um, and ultimately, Hanover is currently winning the series overall, forty three, forty two, and three. So I mean, it's a good series overall. Um, you know, as far as Bell games, Hanover actually has the advantage in Bell games, thirty six twenty six. Now, interesting about this rivalry though is and why it's not considered the longest rivalry in the history of college football is because there's a point in time, I believe it was like 1971 to 1988, where the teams did not play each other. 
And what I, from what I've heard is because the school presidents didn't like each other. So because of that, they stopped playing. You know, it's unfortunate because it's pretty cool to be a part of a rivalry that's the oldest in college football. But because of whatever differences between the presidents, I don't know what it was. I don't know what was so bad between them that caused them not to play the game. They didn't play the game. So, you know, that's unfortunate because it would be it would have been kind of cool to be a part of that and be considered, you know, part of the oldest rivalry like that. And now one thing is now the bell that they use, it is not the original bell. <clears throat> Sometime around 2007, Coach Leonard, who has the, he has the original bell still, I'm pretty sure. It's in the locker room somewhere. You know, he sent it with a player to go. I don't know if they're going to weld it or whatever they're going to do. This is what I read. You know, it's hearsay, but I'm pretty sure that's probably accurate. They went to go try to fix the bell, to fix the big old crack in it, and the bell split in half completely. <laughs> and it wasn't salvageable. So at that point, they're looking for another bell, trying to find one that was similar and hopefully, you know, older like that one. And luckily, there's a, a I guess they're a Franklin College alumni. They're from Columbus, Indiana. Um, I guess she had one on her family farm. It was actually. Uh, created or made in 1898, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I believe she donated it to, um, you know, to the schools for the rivalry. So <clears throat> that was huge. And they painted it up and, you know, it looks nice. And I haven't heard it ring. I'm pretty sure it rings though. Um, it'd be interesting to see it in person and, and see how it is. But, you know, right now it's a handover college and Franklin it is their job. To try to come get it. And, um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen this year because Hanover looks good. They look good on offense. They look good on defense. And honestly, don't know if they're going to stop, be stopped. Uh, we'll see what happens in the game. I look forward to the playoffs. I look forward to the game. look forward to see what happens. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'll probably be watching it uh, from my laptop, streaming it. So um, good luck, boys. Do what you do. Do what you've done all year. And um, I'm excited about it. B. Franklin, get the bell. Go Panthers. All right, everybody. This is our final segment. As you guys know, it's called Relax and Take Notes. And today we're talking about Notre Dame football and their streak of home sellouts will probably end this weekend at 273 games against Navy. And they said if it didn't end against Navy, it would probably end the next week. Uh, against Boston College. It just doesn't look like they're going to sell out those games. Um, let's see. The streaks dates back to the last game of the 1973 season versus Army. Um, Notre Dame's athletic director basically said he believes that holding three games in November is part of the reason for the sellout. And, you know, there's other reasons as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's because of how tickets are sold or what, you know, because Notre Dame's good this year. I think they've only lost two games this season. So, I mean, they're still in the running to, you know, get into a good bowl game and everything. Obviously not a national championship, but normally Notre Dame fans, they're religious about it. You know, they, they're all about their football and they're all about um, coming in and supporting their team. And, you know, Notre Dame fans are everywhere. So I don't know if it's just because it was late in the season and the teams are, you know, Navy's ranked this year. Boston college isn't terrible, but I don't know it's because they don't have national championship, exp um, you know, expectations now. They have those two losses. I don't know if it's because technology, you know, people enjoy watching games more in their homes, on their flat screens, and in the warmth, or like having their parties that way. They don't want to go experience the whole Notre Dame 
um, you know, the whole Notre Dame experience out there in South Bend, which I've done. You know, it's a good time. I've had fun there. Um, there's a lot going on, uh, especially when they're playing one of the academy schools. There's always a little bit different than when they're playing regular school. So there's kind of the ambiance there as far as that. But, you know, I guess all things come to an end, you know, and I know Nebraska seems to have the longest home um, home sellout streak now as far as everything. Um, but, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, you kind of expect Notre Dame to always sell out regardless. You know, they've sold out previous years when it was when they were when they were really good and when they weren't so good, they always sold out. They could always count on that. So I don't really know the reasoning for it, but, you know, one of the longer, more impressive streaks um, in college football is coming to an end. You know, it's unfortunate, but I guess it just is what it is. Um, yeah. But overall, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Yeah, it's been a good time. I've had fun. As you can tell, my voice is a little bit better. And, um, you know, I want to hear from you guys. So I'm going to send links for if you want to leave a voice message regarding this particular episode. Um, if you want to reach out, have any questions, want to talk about whatever, you know, if you want to give your perspective a more willing listen, hit me up on Twitter at, at Franchise1122 or on Instagram, TerrellDwayne11, or at TerrellDwayne11. That's T-E-R-R-E-L-L-D-E-W-A-Y-N-E-1-1. Hit me up there. You can find me on Facebook, too, Terrell Cummings. Probably not hard to find there. So, um, I don't know. Look for it. Find it. Send in questions. Send in comments. You know, I want to be able to interact with everybody if possible. So, um, like I said, glad you listened. Glad you enjoyed the show. And um, look forward to talking to you all next week. Later.